Welcome, everyone. Welcome to our home Hello. for another edition of The Glitz Mob. I'm Kent Sievers. Glitz Mob! And I'm Brendan Meisner. <laughs> uh, we're a little goofy this episode because we have a special guest, my wife, Hello. Jenny Sievers. Hello. Hello, everybody. A very special guest. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Thanks for being here. <laughs> All right. So, this episode, we uh, watched The Fall. It's one that Jenny recommended, actually. So, we wanted to participate. We wanted her to participate in it. Well, I had fond memories of it because it came out in 2006. So, it had been a while since I'd seen it. But here's the synopsis. Um, in a hospital on the outskirts of 1920s Los Angeles, an injured stuntman begins to tell a fellow patient, a little girl with a broken arm, a fantastic story of five mythical heroes. Thanks to his fractured state of mind and her vivid imagination, the line between fiction and reality blurs as the tale advances. Very nice. Mm -hmm. I can attest firsthand that... Those things happened in that movie. I heard that. It's true. <clears throat> it was a crazy film. It I'm was. Excited to talk about it. Well, fun fact: it was filmed over four years in twenty different countries. So that was pretty cool. Dang, that is pretty neat. And you can tell with some of the stuff that they spent a very long time filming that movie, setting up some yeah. of those shots. It well, was pretty wild. The guy that filmed it said that um, he wanted to shoot only on uh, location, so they never used any sort mm. of set. That's really cool. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's and a labor of love right there. That's right. The little girl had missing front teeth in the beginning, of it, or beginning scenes, and then towards the end, she had her front teeth again, and that's just because she was four years older. She aged out of it. Uh-huh. It's before the days they could fix the teeth in post-op, post-op, post-production. second fun fact, the hospital that they filmed it in was still operating. Um, they just used oh. a different wing of it. Wow. Mm -hmm. oh. That is very cool. Super realistic. All right, so we're, we're going to break it down for y'all based on five criteria that we have made. So, Brendan, can you explain those for us? Yeah, before we get too in-depth, we'll just go over our criteria. Um, first, we look at the overall quality of the film. These are the things that the Academy might look at when they are awarding an Oscar to any movie, including um, acting, directing, story, um, cinematography, technical aspects like sound editing, mixing that we don't know anything about, but still kind of fun to mention them. Um, then we talk about um, the feels. How did the movie make you feel? Um, does it conjure up all the feels or some of the feels or none of the feels? Uh, third, who does a certain film appeal to? Does it have a broad appeal to the general population? Is it, very, is it a very niche um, market that this movie is trying to reach? Um, or somewhere in between? Fourth... Uh, is it rewatchable? 
as Jenny has noted, she rewatched it after 13 years. Well, I guess 14 years now. So signs are pointing towards yes. Finally, the timelessness of the film or the lessness of time. How does it hold up over the last 14 years in this case? And do the themes and stories still hold true and appeal to an audience today like they did when it first came out? All right. Thanks for breaking that down. So let's get into it. Overall quality. What did you guys think? Cinematography, we, we, we kind of talked about earlier. Right. Acting, directing, along uh, the it's a lines. Film. It was. It was very it's, visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Very stunning. Very loved, well done. I loved watching the elephants swimming in the ocean. That was cool. I that liked, was crazy. I liked watching the tree burst on fire and the Rasta dude coming out of it. I love it. That was cool. <laughs> it was Ross Trent. <laughs> Came out of a tree after making a chalice from a Sprite can. <laughs> uh, bald heads didn't understand him. I thought the plot was interesting. I kind of liked the relationship between the little girl and the man who got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was a very fun way to make a fantastical story that encompassed many different landscapes, uh, many different kind of cultural, culturally different um, locations and people and ideas and make it so they just seamlessly kind of fit into one story. Um, gave the director just lots of options for, you know, all of a sudden you want to be in this area that looks like a like a giant rice terrace and then go from there to a Soviet-looking city. Sure, fits into the story, so... That was a really good way of kind of putting everything together to add to that kind of stunning um, visual cityscapes and countrysides and, and everything in between. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, outside of that, there was some stuff with that that I, I think was a little bit below my expectations. Uh, some of the uh, dialogue was, yeah, she's uh, she's kind of foreign, but it, it was fairly difficult to understand what she was saying yeah we had to put the subtitles on later didn't we <laughs> I, I wish we had put the subtitles on earlier because there yeah. there was well, a lot i missed and i read that in real life as because where was she from romania Romania. yeah I, in real life um as her english improved over the four years you could tell yeah in the film she mm-hmm. sounded better but yeah, it was a little difficult to understand her, which I think was kind of endearing to her character at the same time. It definitely was, yeah. and I think that you can do that in a way that you can still understand it, and it's still accessible. It definitely. Now I'm a plebeian, but it, this it was very art housey to me um, in terms of accessibility. It seemed. Um, a little out there. I didn't really track with a lot of the stuff that went on. Um, for example, when they were in the desert and then suddenly went into like a little oasis and then there were a bunch of guys dancing around that were painted 
Yeah, that kind of went on a long time. I, it, it went on for a, a while, and I didn't understand it. I, I, I don't know what was going on with that, but... Uh, they were conjuring directions on his body. Right. Yep, that's what they were doing. So, that's what happens guess, in those parts of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Need directions? Go into a hole that becomes an oasis, where then suddenly your tattoos mystically become directions. I mean, he I, was the mystic. I don't... I didn't understand the rules of what could happen in the mythical land. And I know it was fairly... It was supposed to be fairly whimsical, but I just didn't follow it. Yeah, that's, that's fair. There are some points where I just kind of chalked it up to me being like, I don't really understand how we got from here to here, and that's okay because it's just a giant story within the mind of a hospitalized paraplegic man in search of morphine. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, which we didn't so, say. Right. But so basically, he was. I don't know if this would be if this would be jumping down to the feels category. Feel free. Okay, so. He was definitely manipulating her. So in the show, yeah. what would you say she is? Like six years old? That's fair. And he's probably yeah. in his 20s or 30s. Yep. And he's and, a handsome man. Yeah, yep. And he was definitely manipulating her because he was, would you say, depressed from his accident. And it looked like his girlfriend left him. So he was manipulating her to gain his trust to then have her go get him morphine right yeah so the feels although the movie was really visually stunning um it had a lot of sad aspects to it yeah oh yeah and just um you know i don't know if we give spoilers yes we do okay yeah sorry we forgot to give a spoiler alert but (laughs) spoiler alert (laughs) well how he started killing off some of his fictional characters in the end and she was crying about it right that was sad yeah i i feel like in terms of how things end up the only person that really gets a happy ending is the girl she returns to her family and she sees a movie later down the road and she's convinced that he was in it. And right. uh, then every time that she sees like a stunt performed, she, she sees him. But I feel like everything else, I mean, all of the characters in the story was kind of sad. I mean, when they killed off Wallace, the monkey. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Wallace. Oh, why? I know. And then he was clutching the the rare butterfly that he had gone to find for Darwin. And it's like, man. I mean, yeah. that's honestly where I felt the most feels was that moment, man. He was risking it all for just for the butterfly that they were searching for. Mm-hmm. He was looking for it. Yep. That's love right there. That's right. I liked the uh, continuity that the... Um... The Rasta dude had the birds in his stomach because they made like an offhand comment at the beginning that he had the, he had birds in his belly or something. Uh, uh-huh. And then when they were killing him, the birds flew out. Yeah. You know what? I honestly didn't even pick up on that until this moment. Yeah. 
That's, uh, I think, the only thing I picked up on in that movie. <laughs> and I still don't know what it means. I don't think that we're supposed to know. <laughs> Probably not. See, I feels it was it was intense emotionally. It was kind of fun, and then there's a betrayal, and then it's really sad because she still wants to help him, so she goes to try and steal him more morphine, and then she falls and almost dies. Well, how about the 1920s, how she sees that scary procedure happening in the hospital and runs out crying, and the workers at the hospital are like, tell her to get out of here, and they didn't even... Um, I don't know. I just felt bad for her. Right. I didn't care that she was crying and upset. Right. They're just like, deal with it, kid. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. That would be different today or or not. But so broad appeal is that? Yeah. Um, does it have a wide audience of uh, target market, if you will? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's kind of an artsy-fartsy movie. It's kind of not... Might, might be a little inaccessible to the general public. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, prior to discussing the movie for this podcast, I had never even heard of it. Yeah. And then when I did a little bit more research into it, it was on several like best-of-the-year lists from prominent movie critics who... Yep. All said, you know, kind of some of the things that we're talking about. It's had really good visuals. You know, it's a really well put together movie over a long time. Um, a lot of work went into it kind of thing. And I was just like, how have I never heard of this movie? This is on year-end lists. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I think it is just because it is kind of, it wasn't something that was made for, the big screen to be in in thousands of theaters around the country or anything like that. Um, it truly was kind of just a, a passion project from the director and yeah. Yeah, how that much goes, they made uh, money wise on it. We could check that. Roughly three million. They that they profited. Uh, that was the gross worldwide. Okay. Which the budget was only. Never mind, I don't have the budget here. But overall, it made about $3.6 million. Okay. Huh. That's a good deal of money. Yeah, yeah. it it wasn't uh, an international... I mean, it was no Fast and Furious. <laughs> but... No, because by now, there would be eight more The Fall. <laughs> right. The fate and a new of one fall. on the way. Yeah, that's right. So it's just a specific audience for yes. sure who this would appeal to. And yeah. what what I thought of when I was watching it, Lee Pace has been in some stuff since then, but what I first really saw him in that I would recognize him from was Pushing Daisies, which was also pretty weird stuff for television. Right. <laughs> Maybe he's just a weirdo. I don't know, because <laughs> know, then he was also in Marvel movies. Hmm. He redeemed himself. And The Hobbit. I mean, financially, certainly. Well, I had only heard of the movie because uh, a friend of mine um, recommended it. He loved it because of the cinematography and 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one that told me how many countries it was filmed in. So um, I think rewatching it, you know, sometimes you have nostalgia of movies you've seen in your youth, but I'm kind of jumping ahead. But I don't know. I'm glad I watched it again, but now I'm comfortable saying that I don't need to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> a third time yeah what what say you what do you think brendan um i mean just for landscapes and and like i love cinematography of movies if if you present me a movie that has beautiful scenery even if the storyline's not all there there's a chance that i'll watch it again and um it might just be more of a a background thing to, to see beautiful things but I feel like this is the one that this is one that I would watch again. I don't know that I'd there'd be one that goes on the list of you know every every six months or, or a year viewing, but um, I would definitely watch again just to take everything in, knowing what I know now about it. Um, knowing to turn on to the subtitles, right? More. Yeah. <laughs> but really, right. how cute is that little girl? She was very cute. I couldn't get enough. She was very cute. Her little sniffle. She was a little bit annoying at times. No, I loved her. <laughs> I, I was like, the guy just wants the guy just wants some morphine and to <laughs> just go get him his yeah. drugs, girl. <laughs> um, uh, gets no, the I, bottle I, and I, dumps it all out except for three pills. Oh wait, she did do that. I I did read in my research on that 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 was a genuine mistake by. The yes. by the actress, right? When the she read the note, the she, they thought that it was a three, and so then the director was like, "Ah, we can use this." Yep. Did you read too, Brendan, that she really thought that he was a paraplegic? Yes, I did. That's like she. They did everything they could to keep her, like innocence intact and her naivety, and I love it. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, ooh, that's kind of mean. <laughs> right. It is. Oh, my gosh, you can walk? It's a Christmas miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in terms of rewatchability for me, I if, if there were someone who just loved this movie and wanted to watch it, I would be totally down to watch it. I feel like I'd, I could gain some appreciation that I didn't get watching it in a vacuum. And now we're talking about it. It wasn't in a vacuum, but there it it seemed like a very ambitious film, and to me there it, uh, there were some expectations I had, I guess, just in the seeing the pictures on IMDb that I didn't know what to expect. And it's a movie that's unlike anything I've ever seen. So I would say in that circumstance, I would watch it again. I I wouldn't oppose it. Um, but there would have to be some, I wouldn't just watch it for, for the heck of it. Like, oh, I haven't seen this in a while. I'm going to put it on. Right. But if you had a friend who hadn't seen it, maybe. Right. Exactly. And was like really into film or something like that. So. Or just really loved Brazil. (laughs) Yeah. It's probably in there. Um, I want to read this quote that I think is perfect. Um, the late great Roger Ebert said, he gave the film four of four and wrote, You might want to see it for no other reason than because it exists. There will never be a film like it. And um, 
Nathan Lee of the New York Times wrote, the film is a genuine labor of love and a real bore. And I totally agree in some aspects. So it's beautiful, it's great, but it's kind of boring. It's just, it's, it, it didn't, well, let's, let's hit holds up and then we can kind of do our assessment. So does this movie hold up? Is it timeless? I, I'd say yes. I'm going to say yes. For yeah, what reasons? I, mean, I am just, again, I'm in love with the cinematography. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. What were you going to say, Brendan? I mean, I, I mostly agree with that. It's, there's themes. I mean, I think the overall theme is just, or that I took from it, was just like the the fantasy of, of storytelling within the eye of the beholder. Um, you see how the story starts to change as the little girl inserts herself into it more and more and then starts influencing the stuntman more and more. And yeah, I think that that's just an ultimate storytelling, you know, that's something that can never that can never fade away with time. Mm-hmm. People have told stories as long as time has gone on. Um, the scenery is beautiful, so it's 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 something that I don't think would would fail or falter over time. Um, I don't think there's anything that changes from it from when it first came out to now that would make it a movie that you know wouldn't be palatable or tolerable for any specific reason. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's any reason to think it wouldn't be timeless. It's, uh, <laughs> Brennan and I have talked about this in past episodes, but, um, if it deals with fantasy, then a lot of times it is timeless just on that merit because it's in the realm of ima- imagination and that can kind of exist at any time. Um, you know, it's set in the past, the distant past in the 1920s for us um 100 years ago in fact oh feel so old now oh i know (laughs) ridiculous but yeah i don't think there's any reason why it wouldn't be timeless and i don't know if now's the right time to make this connection have either of you read the alchemist by paulo coelho no but it's i know it's popular brendan i have not this film reminded me a lot of The Alchemist. Just the way it felt. I probably should have talked about this during the feels, but just the way it felt in that it was like semi-magical, almost like semi-spiritualistic, but just didn't land on anything and wasn't really cohesive i I, spoiler alert for the alchemist here which we really need to give a spoiler alert for because that was definitely not advertised but spoiler alerts for the alchemist i I don't know to me it it felt the same like i had the same level of confusion and just frustration with how the story went and unfolded and yeah it, it was this intangible spirituality almost magic fantasy that just didn't didn't grab me i feel like it's one of those movies when it ends you're kind of like well okay what do we do now (laughs) you know because it's not like super happy right 
the ending, although sad, didn't seem very meaningful because you were just like, wow, she just got bamboozled by this dude, and I don't know what to think of it. Okay, so, Brendan, what's your assessment? Overall, I, I, I guess there are aspects of the movie that I really liked. I love anything that's that grabs my attention visually, and, and this certainly did. And um, just, you know, having the free-flowing form of um, freedom to change anything as the story is, in, is being told by this character just to keep this girl's attention. Um, but I don't think that it keeps the viewer's attention as vividly as, as what they would hope. Um, I think that the goal is to get the viewer into being kind of the mind of the girl as well and and being so engaged in the story. And it fell a little bit short of that for me. Um, at the end, I'd, I was a little bit sad for kind of all the characters involved, but nothing nothing totally heartbreaking. So it has its highs and it has its lows. Yeah. So we all get a vote. Do you think this should go in the Glitz Mob Hall of Fame? Oh, what's the criteria here? We just talked about them. There are five. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. What do you think? I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'll let Jenny think on it a little bit more. I think. Um, I oh, go ahead. Oh, you know. Oh, gosh. Now I feel pressure. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. You do think it goes in the Hall of Fame? I think it should. Why is that? Um, I just think it's, it's really a unique film. Again, I haven't seen anything like it. Maybe you've read a book like it, but I can't even think of a film to compare it to. Um, so just for that simple fact, I'm going to say yes. All right. Brendan, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, Jenny. I know that, that oh, this was heartbreak. your film pick, and I hate to be contrarian, but as I've done in the past against Kent, I think I'm like the ultimate contrarian here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say no just because of the appeal and rewatchability factors. I feel like it does appeal to a very, to a very certain group of people, uh, but it's not a movie that I would, you know, having conversations with people be like, oh, you got to see this movie. Wouldn't be one of my go-to recommendations. It would probably be more of a conversation with somebody who told me exactly what they love in a film. Like, oh, interesting. Well, have, have you seen this movie, The Fall? Um, if I felt like it really fit what they were looking for. So, alas, I shall have to cast my vote for no, making Ooh. Kent the deciding vote. Okay, but aren't there books, like famous books, that everyone's read because they're classics, but you're not yeah. going to recommend them? Yeah, but this is our Hall of Fame. Okay. This is our personal Hall of Fame. Now, if we were doing a film Hall of Fame, which, by the way, we should, because mm. I don't, there isn't really one. I mean, the Oscars really are not a good benchmark for this because they just choose one film a year to be the best film. So and they don't even choose the best film every year. Correct. They do not. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, anyway, I I would have to choose remember, option C. Remember, you 
live with me. <laughs> that, this is true. That's uh, fast. But I am an unbiased observer of all films, and therefore I choose option C in this case. I would have to say I am aware of my own ignorance with literature and film especially, and I think there is a possibility a very, very, very slight possibility that I could be persuaded that this movie fits all the criteria, but I would have to defer it into the future. I would let someone change my mind on the mm. subject, but... A debate. At, at first blush, I don't want to watch it again. But are there you are glad far you more... saw it? I'm glad we watched it, and I'm also glad it wasn't four hours. Jenny told me it was four I, hours. I confused the four years, <laughs> four hours, you know... <laughs> Honest mistake. That yeah. So Man, that was, was maybe I was hours, thinking of the Oh gosh. What were you gonna watch that with the Holocaust? Mm, Schindler's yeah, list was Schindler's a long list. movie. Totally different movie. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. This isn't extended edition Lord of the Rings we yeah, were watching. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Okay, <laughs> well we will have a debate at a later date then. That's time. right. So uh, it remains up in the air, um, although it must be unanimous. So maybe it'll get it'll get brought up at a, at a later vote. So it does not pass. The eyes do not have it. But just because it didn't get voted into the Hall of Fame does not mean that we will not ask a question of Kanye West. Brendan, would you do me the honors of asking Kanye West a question? Oh, I've always got a question for Kanye. And this week, it has to deal with his probably most outstanding person that he's collaborated with musically. Kanye, how did it feel to collaborate with the king of the musical world, His Royal Highness, Kenny G? Oh, Kenny G. What? Has he released this yet? Do you have a sample? Yeah. A little sample? Yeah, it was on um, his Jesus is King album. Yep. So it's a real thing. Tell me there's a saxophone in the background. Oh, sweet, sweet sax. <laughs> Perfect. Definitely. There's even, there's a great quotation from Kenny G about it where he said, oh. I played on some other songs that may have, that may come out as well in the future. My sweet saxophone can really find its way in a lot of different places, so I'm glad that he decided that he wanted to hear some of that stuff. Is, is that a verbatim quote from KG? That's a verbatim quote. <laughs> My sweet saxophone. That is exactly the way that I hoped Kenny G would talk. <laughs> oh, You're the king. That. You're uh, the king, Wheeler. Kenny G. Oh, you make my heart sing. <laughs> you make everything groovy. Uh, it's wild, man. It's a wild it thing. All right. Well, as we well, wrap up, thank you up, so much, Jenny, for for joining us. Course, yes, course. thank you. Yep. And thank you for the film recommendation. I am glad that we watched it. Definitely. Yeah, we're trying to get some uh, kind of under the enough for the Hall of Fame. It's That's right. true. We're trying to get, we're kind of trying to get some uh, under the radar films that people haven't heard of, and this was definitely one of those films. 
I've got a good uh, B film for you. It's like a, oh, whole, what's a that? horror flick. What's that one? TBD. I got, I got, I'll have to Google it. Can't That's remember the name of it? Probably over 12, 15 years since oh. I last saw it. We have not done any horror films. I'll find the name for you. You can do horror. that. Horror. Hodor. Oh, too soon, <laughs> too soon dude. Come on. Now I'm sad. Hold the door. Okay. Tragic. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. And join, join us next, next time. Week. Oh, there you go. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Oh, no. We, we had like a unison thing going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we need some outro music to Kenny G. We'll have to make that happen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Glitz Mob. Join us next time when we watch. Oh crap! I can't remember what we're watching. Other guys. <laughs> the other guys. Ah, oh, the other guys. Oh, jeez. The movie that Kent has fallen asleep to the most times and out of any movie in his life. This is true. Can't wait. This is true. But it's a great movie. But it's gonna be great. Oh, I just so I, I fell asleep to it so many times because. I put it on so many times because it's so funny, but then I just fall asleep. <laughs> it lulled you to sleep. No, it didn't. It was just because I was sleepy at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah.